Or open book. Beneath you, holding you up. Sky above you, breathing your lungs. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. Heart within you, beating now. Always with you. Carrying on somehow, you are loved. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. Welcome to Cover to Cover. This is Javelin of Javelin's Bistro, and you were listening to Eve Decker. She's in the studio with me today, and Eve Decker began practicing Vakapasa Buddhism in 1991. She's a graduate of UC Berkeley, the Path of Engagement and Community Dharma Leader Programs at Spirit Rock Meditation Center. With her today is J.D. Dahl, who serves as a core teacher at the East Bay Meditation Center and has served as a board board member and a co-founder of the LGBTGI Meditation Group. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. And Eve Decker opened the show with that wonderful number of love. Eve, what's the title of the show? And I also know in January you're going to be doing your musical thing. Mm-hmm. Where are you going to be? And what, Thank what's, you, what's the name Javelin. of yeah. So uh, the song is called Loved and is a... Uh, one of many songs that we'll be doing on uh, January 30th at the Freight and Salvage is a concert to celebrate a number of artists who have sung for a class that's been held in Berkeley for many years called the Awakening Joy class. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now some of you that was listening a couple of weeks ago, you're going to say, wait a second, didn't I hear Eve? Uh, you have a conversation with Eve and the answer is yes. The answer is that after that conversation, I also had Angela Dew on, who was the editor of the book, the anthology, Still in the City, Creating Peace of Mind in the, in the Midst of Urban Chaos. That was so, I felt that was is such an important message that I wanted to continue the conversation for all of us out here in the world that is listening and those that you could share who may not be listening, ways in which we can understand ourselves and hold a sense of spirit our humanity in whatever chaos we're experiencing. And so we're going to talk about that through meditation, through through Buddhism, and, and, it, and you don't have to fall in that category in terms of Buddhism, but you can fall into the category of wanting to behold and wanting to have a sense of um, a foundation of love and defining what that love is for you, defining what that is, defining what defining what love is for you and how to be centered inside of that when you're moving in the world when the world is spinning around you and, and making you dizzy how can you go back to you and what does it look like and have you ever have you ever been to you and have you ever felt at peace with that 
with you just to breathe and say that. So uh, both Eve and JD uh, and contribute to the anthology. And so I want to talk to them about their practice and what in particular they contributed to the anthology and why. So JD, go by the pronoun they and them. What was that choice for you to, to go by that pronoun, the pronouns of them? And them? Um, that choice reflects uh, my identity as non-binary, as gender non-conforming. And um, I see that as part of, kind of you were talking about love. And so I see that as part of love, as accepting every part of ourselves. And we're talking about radical inclusivity. We can look inward and we can look at ourselves and say, you know, what part am I not, you know, not bringing in? And so often we have to be forced into the binary, you know, black, white, you know, man, woman. And so, um, they them acknowledges that we have many options and ways of being in the world and so um it's moving into the possibilities of loving all of ourselves so you are on that journey mm-hmm. and i'm saying on that journey because it's a continuum yeah mm-hmm. what did you discover in this journey that you from let's go to closer to the beginning of your journey what did you recognize that you were not letting in and that you needed in and why? Hmm. What was I not letting in? Well, you know, it's interesting because I think, um, you know, um, there have been times in my life where I haven't been letting in the feminine and there have been times in my life where I haven't been let in, letting in the masculine. And some of that, especially as I was younger, depended on what I was allowed to be and who was I, I was allowed to be by my family and the culture that I grew up in. And so... Um, it's it's an interesting place of you know I believe that we all have aspects of masculine and femininity and others that I you know we don't even have language for within ourselves and how we express ourselves and so um, to be fully whole to be able to listen internally to that which you know that that's which is our own truth is really important to to help heal the world and to bridge um, that wholeness for all of us. So for you, and, and I like that. I like that example that you were not letting at times the feminine, and then not letting at times the masculine in. And depending on where you were at, you were navigating that. So how did you come to bring both of them in together, despite the umbrella you was existing under? Um, well, I think there's been a lot of resilience, and um, I would actually have to say that my Buddhist practice has been really key in that element. Of there's a way in Buddhism that um, the term mindfulness doesn't really actually speak to the mind heart. That actually is the what is it's called in in the Pali, which is the closest to the language of the Buddha. And so there's a turning towards rather than a turning away. And so rather than a pushing away or grasping to be a certain type of person, there's a really turning towards what is right here and seeing clearly. And there's to me, there's no way that the seeing clearly can't happen, the wisdom can't happen without being held in love. And so having that sense of being able to hold myself in love was the way that I feel like the adversity and the people pushing me to be a certain way or trying to fit me in what other boxes was kind of what happened. I don't know if that makes sense. but It makes sense to you. So it's going to make sense to us. <laughs> <laughs> so talking about love, let's, let's go to the love song woman person. Eve. When I hear the word love, I also behind it hear the fact that 
it's very hard to define what love mm-hmm. is. And certainly we have all been indoctrinated with the hallmark version of love. Right. And I don't know about the two people I'm sharing this space with, but that definition has been destructive mm-hmm. in many ways. You opened the show, Eve, with love. How? What have you learned about love as a, as a, a song, probably writer, but certainly a singer, a beautiful singer? And how has that been informed by your spiritual practice? Uh, I think love, well, one thing I know about love from direct experience and also from my spiritual journey is that it changes its response depending on what it meets. So um, it can be a, a general sense of kindness and respect. It can be compassion, staying present and kind with pain. It can be joy and Depending thankfulness. What it means. Uh, this, this is a good one, Eve. I want us to slow down a minute to really talk about this here. Depending on what love meets. Mm-hmm. So this for the listeners. This is I. This is my moment where I think I have a pre-holiday gift to give you. That Eve is sharing. That love changes depending on. Who loves meat, and it could show up as kindness. Mm-hmm. When would when would be an example where one could be kind? And as as you think about that qu- question, and I want the listening audience to think about how we all move in the world. And if we start with this this notion of love, where can we go out in the world and let love meet spaces, places, and people, and show its other faces, mm-hmm. other entities. entities. So where have, uh, and let's each give an example, like be an example for our listening audience. And, you, and as uh, you're listening to Eve Decker and J.D. Dole, KPFA, I'm your host, Javna Richards, and we're talking to two people who uh, contributed to the anthology Still in the City, Creating Peace of Mind in the Midst of Urban Chaos, which before we answer the question, uh, JD, where can people get the hold of the book? Um, website or is that a question for you? Yeah, I mean, it's you can get it um, the website for there's a, still in the city. There's uh, other places online. I don't know, Eve. Yeah, I, I would say you can go to um, the Spirit Rock Bookstore. The um, uh, if you if you Google still in the city, you'll find a direct link to order it online. It's on Amazon and the other okay. kind of you know so basically in the title, order. Go in the title and mm-hmm. you know what it's about. So when when have your love, who you are, how you hold love, been out in the world and and love met its circumstances and showed some emotion mm-hmm. like joy? Well, what I find is that if I am simply present, simply aware. Then love comes along, and then it changes its shape depending on what's needed. So if I'm not in a in an automatic kind of a response to the world, but I'm here, I can feel my body sitting here now, and I see the two of you and feel the headphones on my ears. Mm-hmm. And so the kindness, this love right now, is holding my own body in kindness, holding the two of you in kindness, holding whoever's listening to us in kindness, because there's that awareness of what's happening right now. I'm not defended or reactive. 
I'm not in habit. And so uh, love is really supported by awareness. And awareness is another word for mindfulness. It's just, it's a, it's a quality we all have. So lot. here's, thank you for that example, Eve. Here's my example. Then JD, you give a, a example from past, present that you approach with love where in the, as a premise. And then it was able to activate something else that was needed in the moment. So my example is happened within the last half hour. So I see my guest, JD. I'm in the engineering room, and through the glass, I see Josh, who's here at KPFA, part of the KPF family. And he has this person, and I know, I think, I think that's JD. So JD in, in, JD enters the space where I'm at. I welcome JD in, them in. And JD says to me, somewhere in the first few lines after shaking hands, that they are nervous. <laughs> I So here's my activated love. So I understand nervousness. That's the human connection, right? So now mm-hmm. so I'm, a, I'm an African-American woman, Native American woman. And J.D., are you white? Mm-hmm. Okay, J.D.'s white. Irish Catholic American. Mm-hmm. So here's this difference, right? The, the, the immediate difference of two entities coming in space. But if I'm holding love just as a foundation, you know, love me a kind bar, love me some coconut milk. So I'm just giving examples. Love the sky, love. Mm-hmm. And I'm in present. And so when she said that, when he, when then them said that they were, and I'm doing the pronouns, and, and so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah. yes, I appreciate me figuring that piece out. Another example, that's another act of kindness. That's right. So when they said they were nervous, then I, because I know the story of nervous, so we all have stories, common themes that we know, then I told her the story of nervous, how I knew it. And then I also said, because of of them, I wore my fake diamond earrings. <laughs> my fake diamond earrings to welcome you into a Javelin's world. <laughs> that was my kindness. And it brought me joy. So tell me experience of you. This is a Buddha teaching, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. So take it in, KPFA audience. Take it in. Enjoy. Bring up your stories. Feel the vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm in one of those mm-hmm. moods today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what makes me uh, what makes me think of is is how you know given the reverberations of the hate and the violence that we are seeing and witnessing so much now it's it's the nourishment that of joy that you're speaking to mm. is so precious and that we each have that possibility in the moment to turn it to each other and turn towards each other and the beautiful example of your diamond earrings mm-hmm. you know it's just the, the those shared moments oh just can. a second i have to say this okay <laughs> Just in case, because the economy, someone's listening and say she's got on fake. They're fake diamonds. Don't, don't rush, don't rush me. Fake, fake. Oh my gosh! (laughs) And they're beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So you were telling me before we got on the air that you that you have a neighbor who's African American and. You wrote about him in the anthology. Mm-hmm. Would you like to share with our listening audience? The story? Sure. And tell um, us a little backdrop story about this. Yeah, yeah. And so um, 
I live in North Oakland, and I um, feel really fortunate to live in a neighborhood that still has a lot of people who um, grew up there and um, who haven't been pushed out by the rents and the price of living. And I've lived there about 10 years now. And so I feel complicit in some ways in the changing neighborhood. And so I feel really committed to knowing my neighbors and connecting with them and reaching out. And and so um, a young man who grew up in the neighborhood, um, he comes over and helps me out and works in the yard and we have lunch. And, and so... Um, I uh, I wrote about him, and so I saw him recently, and I had the opportunity to share what I wrote, and so I um, I haven't bought it, the, I haven't bought him a book yet, but I, I told him I would do that. Take him this book. Okay, I will. Thank you. I will, and I'll sign it for him. Okay, <laughs> all right. Um, so I'm going to start here, and then I'll go right into the part where um, about about my neighbor. We'll go. Let's get into because we okay. have a half hour show. Get right. into the, the the thick of the story, and we could you could do the back and front okay. of it. When my neighbor is put back in prison because he has violated his probation order, which prohibits him from visiting the apartment building where his mother lives, I am stunned and can easily become overwhelmed by the magnitude of the implication of systemic injustices, particularly as they play out in communities in poverty. I'm aghast that our community finds it tolerable that a young man released from prison cannot visit his mother's house. I can feel the desire to lash out with anger at the systems that create, created this situation, the schools, the corporations, the police. The field of emotions at play in my body range from anger to hopelessness to rage. At times, I notice fear arise as the energy of the anger feels out of control. I then notice the habitual tendencies related to the desire to be in control. I reflect on how my delusion of having control keeps me separate from my own experience and from others. I practice to be with a range of emotions, to sit with the discomfort of the accompanying unpleasant sensations, and also with the deep with deepening the understanding of the interconnectedness of all life. Let's stop. Uh, pause. When you say that you're recognizing that there's this anger, anger and all the, the, the grocery list of things that you were experiencing was because of your part of it, your own unwillingness to look at your interconnectedness or was stopping you from entering the interconnectedness. Is, did I get that right? Is that what you're getting at in this? So I was I was saying kind of that the anger was pointing to the interconnectedness that in order like for me to build my capacity to be with the anger allows me to build my capacity to really feel what it means to be connected to feel what it means to be connected with these the the injustices of my neighbors of and what about how does it connect to your own personal injustice so um we when know I, his story. Yeah. What so when I look at story? that, like for me, um, as somebody who has been discriminated against and marginalized and kind of basically told there's no place for you as who I am as a person, I had to, you know, I collapsed into a lot of self-hatred in that. And so coming to have some self-soothing and some loving of that has allowed me to hold myself so that I can actually hold the pain and suffering not only of myself but of others in the world. So if I'm hearing you 
uh, you're saying that when you record, when you began to look at how disenfranchised, and this is my mm-hmm. language, that you were from this sort of umbrella that that exists as construct, that you began you internalized that and had anger or hatred towards yourself or mm-hmm. those sense of feelings. And because you could hold that as a white person, mm-hmm. because you also know the feelings of not being in the mix, if you will, understanding mm-hmm. that there is no mix that's inclusive, right? Mm-hmm. That, that it, when you accepted that, it gave you space to be to recognize that disenfranchised spirit in others mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. be connected to this particular man in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they gave a, you could be on an even playing ground. Yeah, and yeah. Be- and, you know, I think that generally the 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 seesaw is from shame to blame to shame to blame. You know, it's their fault, it's my fault, it's their fault, it's my fault. And so many of us internalize that and... Yeah, and that's why I was saying when you both came in here, we're really stupid. We're stupid. We're stupid as people. We're stupid as people. And y'all had gentler words to, to say that. And But I think that I'm saying this out loud, and for my listening folks out there, yes, I'm saying that we are stupid. Uh, and I'm not talking about the three of us in this room. When I say that, we're stupid because we're not, we, we, we're not getting the fact that nothing can overpower togetherness nothing can take when you're together with people and there is no such thing as we are different there are constructs that exist but we are not different and when we are together on that nothing mm-hmm. nothing can move that because we are already in love with ourselves and others and when I'm feeling the day when I don't feel love for me I can see it reflecting you you remind me that I that, lo- that I am loved by saying something bring me your kindness Eve in all of this I know last night you were singing singing in at a memorial service mm-hmm. and you are a Buddhist Mm-hmm. And you opened the show with this love. What holds you? And then you work with, you teach. Mm-hmm. So there's a part of it that says there's moments you have to be completely exhausted from holding up the sky sometimes. What keeps you believing and rising up to continue to open your mouth and dare a note? You know, I think that you and J.D. have both spoken the things that keep me going. You spoke it when you spoke about the awareness of connection, like the awareness of we're all one. I really feel that, and uh, it's really, really nourishing. That, And then J.D. spoke about the nourishment of joy, of intentionally allowing joy. There can be joy and sorrow, not only in one day together, but in one moment together. And we can be aware of the joy, take in the goodness, intend toward it, even when, even when we're grieving murders. So being, taking in the joy and being aware of and nourishing 
the connection, feeling it and nourishing it are two things that really sustain me. And watching, see, I, I have the wonderfulness of being able to look in JD's face and E's face, and as Eve's talking to me, there are there are muscles moving. There's um, raindrops in her eyes, ready to become tears. Right, and then there's the presence always of a smile. That's and and even that. In the vibration of your muscles of your face, your eyes ready to cry, you just held your sadness and your joy mm-hmm. in one face. Right. And unfortunately, I wasn't, I didn't have my camera out to capture to give you as a gift. So, in your practice, does it change during the, these times we are lucky to be born into? And I say lucky to be born into, this is where we're going to hold both pain and joy, lucky to be born into because we can be the solution to this time in history, right? That we can be the individual DNA prince. So like a hundred years ago, those born then, what work they did to move human evolution forward, our time now on the planet. What do we do? Because we all know that there's a story called goodbye, and this way we'll be gone. We may come back mm-hmm. another way, but but we will be gone. Mm-hmm. But before we go, is what can we do? Yeah. What can we do? Like you singing, you. What do we do? That's the beauty. That's the beauty. And to become unstupid, to offer each other in that moment, if we're present, then we're offering a moment to what we're present to. That surprised us. I didn't know I was going to celebrate you the way I did with a story about, you know, about nervousness. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I just made that story <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you want to say? What what spiritual medicine, if you could offer in the next two minutes to our audience, I'm going to sit back and let y'all just give some medicine. Even if it's a song, if it's clapping, if it's silence, I'm going to sit back. <laughs> you want to go, JD? Um, you know, I because I'm situated as a white person in in this world um, in the U.S. at this time. Like for me, looking at our ignorance, you know, we all have our own portion and histories of ignorance, but particularly the ignorance of power and privilege bring and um, holding holding the mirror clearly to what it means to have benefited from the cycles and the institutions of white supremacy that have benefited white people in this country allows me to reach across into that oneness that you're talking about. Um, And it's not even, I mean, there is a reaching across actually, but there isn't, I mean, there's depends on what level we're talking about. Obviously at some point we have our hearts and, you know, there's that. And, um, the, the developing of trust really means that I need to do a lot of witnessing here. I need to witness the harm that's been promulgated, you know, from my family, my family's histories, the legacies. I need to um, take ownership of the way that I continue to cause harm and take responsibility for my actions. And so I, I think there, the, you know, the mindfulness and the turning towards, so just turning towards and not like there's an easy fix. I like that. That's another moment we stop. Okay. Turning towards and not away. Turn towards. 
Don't even question it. Like, what is my responsibility? It's our responsibility. Just mm-hmm. turn towards. Mm-hmm. Just turn towards. It's not even a debate. We know we're under this construct of racism, sexism, all the isms. This is the legacy we were born into. Turn towards and start dismantling. Mm-hmm. Dismantling. Mm-hmm. Don't even ask, well, what did I do? Well, come on now. Mm-hmm. Just do. Mm-hmm. Let's do. Evil kind of medicine that you like to say before we go off 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Javelin, I want to hear your medicine. You feel like you could share some? I think we just have. <laughs> I think we just have. And, but I will say this, I'll bring more medicine back. Uh, this, you've been listening to Cover to Cover with Javelin, Javelin Bistro. I want to thank my guests, Eve Deckler, J.D. Dahl, and keep listening, KPFA. I've been your host. Thank you. Thank you. That's the medicine. Thank you. Gratitude. (laughs) Thank you. My pearls and my diamonds. (laughs) Pause. Breathe. Smile. With these three small words, each containing a universe of wisdom, poet and novelist Maxine Hong Kingston and Zen mystic Gary Gok invite you to bring the practice of mindfulness into every moment of your life. Together, they will discuss Gary's new handbook, Supporting the Cultivation of Awareness, Compassion, and Joy. Maxine is, of course, the author of Woman Warrior, Tripmaster Monkey, and other prose wonders. Gary Gok has written nine books, including The Complete Idiot's Guide to Buddhism. Together, they'll be awakening mindfulness on Thursday evening, November 8th, 7.30, at the Hillside Club, 2286 Cedar Street in Berkeley.